Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. On today's show, I talk to Arm Layden of the Locked On Marlins podcast and the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. We're going to take a look ahead to the 2021 draft and see who the Nationals could be thinking of drafting. They're going to have a high pick. So we already want to get into that as a nice little filler here on a Thursday off day for the Nats. And then part two of this podcast will come out on Friday. Aram and I will preview the Nationals Marlin series that is coming up Friday through Sunday. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is Thursday, September 17th, 2020. And joining me on the show today, our friend Aram Layton, who Aram has been on basically every show now to talk about process. I feel like you've been basically every single MLB show has had you on because now you're the Locked On Marlins host and Locked On Prospects host. But I feel like we were, I was early to, I was early to this because we I had you on I guess what January and February. So this I look I know this is your favorite show to be a guest on. I know this is the best this is the best podcast to do an away game. I guess you could say so. Just want to say. We were early to the party, and we're glad to have you back. Yeah, you, you had me on when I was still just the Marlins guy. So now uh, diving into prospects has been fun because you know, I've got a reason to look more into the Nationals, look more into other teams. And yeah, you were the first, uh, the first show I jumped on, so obviously I have an allegiance. Um, so the first thing I wanted to talk about is you and I are going to get into some of the names in the 2021 draft, some of the guys to look, look at in the Nationals organization. But the one touchstone that I think shapes this entire conversation now is the fact that the guys who have been brought up, and I think there, to me there's a player in each one of the, the NL East organizations too you could look at. There are guys who have been brought up who all did not expect. Maybe, or, you know, maybe if they were to make it, it would be in the roster expansion in September. But there, a bunch of these young guys, really young guys, have come in in this weird season and performed really well. And my question in, to, to start off the entire conversation is, is this going to shape the way that major league front offices, major league scouts look at players? And, you know, you see on like sites like MLB Pipeline, it's kind of the expected date. Is there a way that we know now we start thinking, hey, the date for many of these guys might start jumping? I know it's going to be a case-by-case basis, but whether it be Tanner Houck, Sixto Sanchez, Luis Garcia, Alec Bohm, I mean, Tanner Hawks one, one start, but Alec Bohm, uh, you know, Andres Jimenez, you're seeing all of these players perform, and it's not just in the division, I'm just giving you examples in the NL East. Do you think the conversation is going to change about when you draft a player or when you sign a player about how fast they could legitimately make an impact because of the way young guys have performed this season? Well, you brought up a good point where it's, you know, a case-by-case basis now. And I think before it was almost like no matter what, we can't push this certain threshold of rushing a guy too much. But now I think teams are realizing that it doesn't really matter. Some guys are either ready or they're not. Like Joe Adele, look at him. I think he's going to be great. But, you know, over with the Angels, he was the type of guy that was more than ready uh, by the time he got up there, at least when you look at service time-wise and how, how much he's played in the minor leagues but he gets up there and he's not quite ready. And then you talk about some of the other guys that, you know, definitely would have been playing throughout a minor league season this year and they get moved up and they're holding their own. I mean, 
first person I think of is Luis Garcia. He's looked pretty solid given the fact that he, he only played one season in double A and really didn't have a great year in double A, but he's actually hitting better so far in the bigs this year than he did last year in double A. So right. sometimes it just doesn't make sense. But I think what we're going to see now is more with the pitchers. I think certain pitchers that have a certain makeup that they know will translate well to the major leagues Teams are going to be okay with being a little bit more aggressive with. The only problem is until they change that rule where with service time manipulation and all of that, teams are really going to be discouraged from rushing their guys. And, of course, this year is a very unique circumstance. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you see – remember when Chris Bryant was sent down to quote-unquote work on his defense? Right, you know, yes. Like that. That's a joke. And I think – I'm hoping that that's going to be a big topic of conversation in the next CBA – but if, if that aside, if we're just looking at it, you know, baseball-wise, player-wise, I think with pitchers, if guys really look like they're ready to go, I think that we're going to see teams be a lot more aggressive. One, because of how important pitching is, period. Two, there is so much good pitching in the minor leagues right now. And three, I, I think after this draft that we just had, where more college pitchers were drafted than any year in uh, history of the draft in the first five rounds, and since it was just five rounds this year, those are the guys that are going to climb a little bit quicker since they're college guys. And I think teams are going to want to be a little bit more aggressive with them as they're going to be older than typically, you know, you're going to mix in some high school guys. So I think we're going to see pitchers be much more aggressively moved up. I'm interested to see how it affects the bats because it seems like overall the bats have kind of lagged behind the arms in terms mm-hmm. of the guys that have been called up this year, um, mid season, or some of the guys that were kind of thrown into the mix that we didn't expect to be. Did you think that was going to happen? Do you think the bats were going to be behind the arms, uh, you know, or do you think it was going to be vice versa? You know, I think it's more reasonable to think that the bats would be behind the arms just because of right. the huge learning curve, right? And, and when I look at some of the top prospects, you know, a lot of them in today's game have swing and miss concerns, and those just don't tend to translate very quickly to success in the major leagues. A lot of guys have to iron things out. And if you look at all of the top prospects that are struggling right now at the big league level, Swing and miss has been the big problem. Even the ones that are doing well. I mean, look at Luis Robert. He's chasing more pitches than almost anybody in the game. He's still doing all right, but he's slowed down a lot because of that. And especially now when you have the league that adjusts to you, you know, after you get so many at-bats, they figure you out. Now, like, teams are looking at Luis Robert, and they're like, he's going to chase. So let's make him chase. Let's make him get himself out. Why groove that guy a pitch? He can hit. And, you know, that's the challenge for rookies is that second adjustment, which is – adjusting to how the league adjusted to you right. with pitching. Yeah. They're going to start to learn what you throw and all that stuff. But if you're nasty, you're just nasty. And that's right. what we're seeing with Sixto Sanchez. That's what we're seeing with some of the other, you know, up and coming stars in the game with pitching wise. I mean, Ian Anderson with the Braves too. Yeah. He's had a couple of tough starts here and there, but overall looks great. Davey Garcia with the Yankees. He's been even better than he was in the minor leagues. These guys, if you have good stuff, you have good stuff. The real question is, can you throw strikes? And once mm-hmm. guys are able to really command their pitches, they're ready. I, and I really think that's the case. And, I mean, look at Tristan McKenzie with the Indians. He didn't pitch in the minor leagues last year. Not a single inning last year he was hurt. And he goes straight to the bigs this year, and he has been lights out as well. So I, I think with pitchers, it's, it's easier in the respect that, you know, you can work in the bullpen. The, you don't need the simulated at-bats as much as, as the hitters do. And it, it seems to be the case this year where – we're seeing uh, pitchers have a lot more success, though there have been some pleasant surprises with bats when you look at guys like Jake Cronenworth and uh, other guys like that. Yeah, it's interesting with the pitchers. And, you know, you, you bring up a good point with Ian Anderson. Like Ian Anderson, 
like has that changeup they can use. And once, I mean, he, he had it on full display against the Nats the other night. Like if the guys have those pitches and can kind of put other stuff around it, but you know, as long as they have kind of the one lights out pitch and you've seen more of six there than I have. I mean, it feels like he's got more than one, but for me, like watching him that when that slider was rocking, it was, it was working for him. It felt like, you know, it felt like he couldn't be hit. And that was, I think it was his debut against the Nats. Um, when he, you know, he slowed down a bit towards the end, but like, the guy, the guy at electric stuff. To me, th- what you're talking about reminds me a lot of kind of quarterback play in the NFL over the last few years. Like, there is this idea that guys typically need to sit. Man, you're Justin Herbert to the world. You know, those guys do need to sit. The guy that did, you know, uh, wasn't used to calling plays at all in the huddle, just kind of snap his hand, you know, or, you know, wouldn't call out any cadences or whatever, just snap his hands and they'd snap in the ball at Oregon. You know, but those guys need to sit. But like all the other quarterbacks, you know, they get thrown to the fire normally. Um, and you know, we saw that that's kind of been a trend that's happened much more recently in the NFL. I'm feeling like that with pitching might become a bit more, uh, a bit more prevalent in, in the, in the MLB. And like you said, I think the service time thing is the one hiccup that could kind of pull that stuff back. But to me, it's, you know, you're just seeing so much quality pitching from these young arms. It's like, you know what, why, I mean, why not get these guys out of there? You know, there's, it, it seems to be kind of the right, the right move. It's, it's been the right decision for so many of these teams. And I think Garcia with the Yankees is another great example of a guy that, you know, we just didn't expect to see and has been a phenomenal move for a team that needed some pitching stability. And it, it, it jogs my thought to another really good point is when we talk about service time. But with pitchers, you don't want to put too many miles on their arm, right? And if you have a right. chance to bring them up without, you know, risking injury in the minor leagues and just putting up, you want to build them up stamina-wise and all of that. But you also don't want to tax them throughout the minor leagues. And when they come up to the majors, they've already thrown, you know, 800 innings or 600 right. innings. And, and, you know, they already basically have had a mini career on top of whatever they were doing before. So that, that's another big thing. Jose Fernandez is a, is a guy, obviously he's a, he was a generational talent, but he comes straight up from high A to the major leagues because he had that wipeout slider and he was commanding his fastball well. That, that translates to the major leagues a lot better. So I, I'm, I'm very excited to see how teams handle this moving forward. And for the Nationals in particular, they have so many arms. You look at their top 20 I mean, like, it seems like 15 of them are arms. I know. So it should bode well for the Nationals, who will probably be a little bit aggressive with their pitchers moving forward. Right. And you see now after the draft, like, the, the number of guys that they hold in high regard and uh, the number of arms they have. And that's the thing for me is that, you know, let's kind of look at 2021. I mean, the big name that we hear is, is Kumar Rocker, right? Like, that is the name that everybody hears. Um, and then, you know, the other one is going to be Jack Leiter, just because I think he's his teammate and he goes to Vanderbilt and he's, and he's got the last name Leiter. Those are the two that are the, not the, you know, not always, I mean, I think Rocker's the best one, but Leiter was, is the two, he makes the two that you've heard of. Who are the other guys that you think people should be most aware as, you know, if, if their team is bad, like the Nationals, and it's time to start paying attention to who they could get in the 2021 draft? Because look, the Nationals, their roster is going to go through some attrition, but they still have a lot of great pieces. Who, should, who do you think they should be looking at and who should Nationals fans be looking out for in this 2021 draft class? Yeah, and, and you know, I'll preface with this. The Nationals did a good job in the last draft, and I know right. we're going to get into that, but we talked about the arms that they've already attacked, and they drafted more arms this year. So I, you, you got to look at a bat, I would say. And the thing about the Nationals is they almost – it's a little bit of a dramatic comparison, but they remind me a little bit of the Warriors in the respect that this season is lost 
but mm -hmm. yeah the core is fantastic right you know you have some aging pieces but overall the core is really good and you're going to get a high draft pick depending on how they decide to do this draft order i've seen a few different ideas i think ultimately it should just be this year's record. And if you don't want to just make it this year's record, make it winning percentage from last year and this year evenly averaged between the two. That's a whole different conversation. Right. Assuming the Nationals have a top pick. Uh, this is a great opportunity for the Nationals to get an elite prospect mm -hmm. that they wouldn't normally be able to get because they're good. And next year, I think they can fly right back into contention with a couple acquisitions. Uh, so to answer your question, I, I would like to think that they'd go away from an arm. Of course, if you, I, I know, if you were but somehow, it's just, yeah. It's, it's like the, the pitching's been so bad. And, and to be honest with you, they, like you, you'd think they go away from an arm, and they definitely need an outfielder. I mean, I think a third, ba third base or outfield is the other, uh, other place where they need, some, they need some assistance. But their inability to develop pitchers and like properly develop pitchers. I mean, think about the, the guys that are in the rotation currently, right? Sanchez, Corbin – Strasburg, uh, you know, Scherzer. I mean, one of those guys is a homegrown guy. And then the, the back end, you know, Fetty and Voth, both guys that they have that they just haven't really worked out. And so, you know, they're, they're not doing a great job of developing the pitching talent. And, I mean, that, that might be a hesitation to take a pitcher, but also at the same time, too, you're, you're like, eventually one of these guys is going to hit. You know, and, and, and you think maybe a guy like, you know, a guy at the top of the class, might be able to just kind of you kind of push him through because he's got such good credentials. I don't know, but the pitching, like they've got enough arms at this point. You just feel like one of these guys eventually is going to hit, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and to, to answer your question too, I think if you have a chance at lighter or rocker, th those are guys that are going to fly through the system and they're right. going to be legit. I, I mean, I, I hate to put expectations on guys like that, but I've seen a lot of both of them and they're already just, aside from the, just the sheer stuff that both of them have yeah. great command, multiple pitches for a strike. But if we're looking at a bat for the nationals, someone I saw a lot of in the Cape and that I really like is Matt McLean and McLean. You mentioned you need a third baseman. He can play third. Right. He can also play outfield. He's fast. He can hit for power. He was a Cape league all-star. He was actually drafted in the first round out of high school by the diamondbacks ultimately didn't sign and wanted to go fulfill his dream at UCLA. And he had a tough freshman year. Uh, it was a little bit of a learning curve, but he was starting every ball game. Then had a really good summer in the Cape last summer as one of the youngest guys out there, and then was off to a ridiculous start this year. I think he's a surefire top 10 pick when it's all said and done, assuming he continues to hit this well going into next year. He's a potential five-tool player and really could help the Nationals out. I think he fits in really well with the athletic you know, mix of power with athleticism that the Nationals have throughout mm -hmm. their lineup. And I think he fits in really, really well. Another guy that I really like is Adrian Del Castillo. He's another college guy, but right. a, a catcher. Catcher, yeah. just has a really, really good bat. Another guy that I saw in the Cape a lot, I've seen him down in Miami. He can flat out hit. Can he stick behind the dish? I hope so. But he's a good enough athlete that I think he could figure it out at a corner outfield spot or even first base. You're going to hope that he can stick behind, you know, you know, behind the plate, but he can really, really hit. And those two guys college wise, I would definitely think the Nats would have a crack at. And then if you're going to look outfielder, that's where things get a little bit more difficult because you talk about having the pressure to hit on guys. If you're going to go for a high school outfielder like Tyree Reed, who's from California, I really like him, but you know, there's volatility there. You're getting a high schooler that's very much uh, the hype is around his athleticism and, and you, know, you don't know how the hit tool is going to play up. 
But if you want to take a chance on a guy like that, you can. If you want to play it a little bit safer, I think Matt McClain is a good pick. Obviously, if Judd Fabian's there, that's another guy you, you would love to have as an outfielder from Florida that also dominated the Cape League. Judd Fabian could make a push to be the, the first position player taken. But I, I will say what works in the Nationals' favor here, and of course there's people that will, will jump into the mix all the time, but between Judd Fabian and Matt McClain, those two, there's more college level, you know, bats, I think that are going to be throughout you know, five to 15 in the draft. That'll be pretty solid that the nationals will have a crack at. And, and it should be a pretty interesting draft when it comes back around, especially we'll have to see how the season is, but there's a lot of players that may have signed in the sixth, seventh or eighth round last year that could put up a huge campaign this year and play their way into the first round. Today's locked on nationals podcast is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest possible price, rather than charging prices based off what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or login. Best of all, once again, RockAuto.com's prices are always reliably low, and the same for pros as do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or, or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. So note we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Yeah, and I, I just think with some of these players, like it, it feels like just once again with what we've seen this year, seeing them in the major leagues might not be as far off as we usually think. That and I and I think it, it it is, it is okay sometimes to think about how does this guy not fit into our immediate immediate plans, but how does this guy fit in like a year from now or two years from now, um, you know and I mean I think especially in the in like the idea of like how could this guy fit in in you know 2022, right? I mean is that is that safe to say that you could maybe you know depending on the player you could start thinking about that a bit more. Absolutely. I think we'll, when you look at a Jack Light or a Kumar Rocker, those are obviously guys that will fly through there. Judge yes. Fabian's another one. But I think when you look at what the Nationals did in this draft, I think they had that sort of idea in their mind. Of course, any GM is going to tell you, oh, we went best player available. And I think the Nationals did to an extent, but they also very much had a, a plan. And it was to get power arms from college because you're finding a balance, a rare balance of high ceiling, but still a relatively higher floor than your average high school pitcher. Cole Henry, for example, is another power arm, but I'll start with Kate Cavalli because that's – I actually like Cole Henry better. That's why I said him Yeah, first, me too. I'll start, me too. I'll start <laughs> with the first-round guys is Cavalli is a power, power arm. And at the very least, you know that you have a guy that is, is going to be able to be a high-leverage bullpen arm, worst-case scenario, because there is some reliever risk. But you're talking about a guy that will be able to run it up to triple digits. He has the plus slider already, but he has the classic question of a power pitcher. It's – can he develop the third pitch? And specifically the changeup. Can he develop the changeup? Because if he does, you're looking at, you know, a potential top end of the rotation arm. But the big struggle for guys like this is consistently throwing strikes and commanding that third pitch. Mm -hmm. I really, we haven't seen enough of Cavalli to really say, you know, whether he has made improvements or not. I will say though, that he seemed to have in the abbreviated season, I know it wasn't as quite as good a competition but to only walk five over 23 innings after you walked 
35 over 60 innings is obviously an improvement there. Yep. He just was given up a little bit too much hard contact, which I think was still a result of him falling behind. So he needs to get ahead in counts. He's maybe not as much of a candidate to climb quickly, but I think one of the two, Cole Henry or Cade Cavalli, is going to exceed expectations just based on the sheer stuff that they have. And I think Henry is really was one of the more uh, – underappreciated guys in the draft because he didn't really have that much of a track record, but what he's able to do with his fastball with movement that runs up to 97. And then he also, you know, has really, really good off speed. I mean, his curveball is like a power curve and he just seems like a more complete pitcher than Cavalli, even though he has the limited track record, I could see Henry being the type of guy that actually ends up being the better pitcher out of the draft, which would be, you know, ironic given that he went second, but then I also think that people are overlooking Jackson Rutledge. Jackson Rutledge. Oh, he's he. Really you speak good. to anybody who covers a team. He is that is the darling. Like that is I personally think very highly of him. I know um, that the guys from fan side think very highly of him. Oh, you know, a, a bunch of the writers just I mean they can't stop saying enough good things about him. And to me, the stuff I, I like his stuff the best. I'm not sure how about you feel about him, but like that is the guy sitting there that I think we all are like. This better be the one. This kind of this, this better be the one of the new crop of pitchers the Nationals have that can finally break through in the league. Oh, 100%. And we're again, you have three major power pitchers here. And yeah, there's some volatility with power pitchers, but also that's the high ceiling is, is just crazy with the three guys of the potential that even if two out of three hit, uh, you know, you're looking at you'll take uh, that. Again, you will take yeah, that. Absolutely. You'll take one hitting their potential, right. but. Because I think you can fall back on all of these guys being legit relievers at the worst, worst case scenario. And I know people hear that and they're like, ah, reliever. But how many top prospects have we seen, especially pitchers, that end up, you know, just flaming out as starters because they get shelled? And that's that. You know, there's guys that struggle as starters, but then end up being really good high leverage relievers. It's not what you want, but at least Cavalli and, you know, Henry already have two plus pitches, which is a huge thing with college guys that you want to draft is if they have two plus pitches, you're looking at a high floor. And that's why I like Holden Powell. Holden Powell was one of the later picks for the nationals and he is a reliever and the nationals drafted him knowing he's a reliever, but he is maybe was the best closer in all of college baseball last year. Mm -hmm. And because he has a slider right now, that is good enough to be a plus major league slider. His fastball is mid to upper nineties and he had terrible command the first summer I saw him in the NECBL. Then I see him back in the Cape before he went to Team USA after he led the nation in saves, and he looked like a different pitcher. And this is a, not a very imposing guy. He's you know barely over six foot, if, if at all over six foot, but he just generates so much torque. He throws the ball hard, and he spins that slider better than anybody I've seen in the country, uh, at least from the college perspective. And he is going to be a fast climber. I think realistically, if the Nationals were competing right now and, and were making a push, you could make the case for him to get brought up as a reliever to the major leagues, mm. like Brandon Finnegan style back when the Royals were right. making a push. The Marlins have talked about that with Max Meyer. It's not going to happen, but that was their first round pick. He's got the fastball and slider, though mm -hmm. he's a starting pitcher. There were talks about moving him up to the bullpen for the Marlins run here, but they have so many other pitchers right now. They don't need to. Holden Powell will be up, I think, by the end of next year. That's how good and, and advanced he is. For Rutledge, he continues to show improvement. And I think the silver lining for Rutledge is that he just has time to work on things now in a low-stress environment. Because for him, right, the stuff has always been there. It's 
six foot eight guys struggle so much to repeat their mechanics. And mm-hmm. that was the struggle with him was, can he repeat his mechanics to, to throw more strikes? And he was able to do that in his last season. That's why we saw him get drafted so high. And he's continued to do that now at the pro level. And I'm sure now in this time off, he's been able to tinker and, and fix with things, whatever was bothering him. I know I've talked to a lot of minor league hitters in the interviews I do for Locked On MLB Prospects. And they talked about it and they said the silver lining is, of course, I'd love to be playing, but I've been able to tinker with some things I would have been scared to do during a season. And it's been, you know, a little bit more beneficial in that regard. That's why I considered Rutledge when I did a podcast on most underrated prospects in baseball. Rutledge was one of my most underrated prospects right there with Tristan McKenzie. McKenzie ended up getting the call up not too long after. So hopefully it had a similar effect on Rutledge going into next year. Yeah, they just – I mean, he's got to be the one. <laughs> it's just everybody he's feels gotta. like he's got to be that guy. And um, I, I, I echo everything you say about the mechanics. I think it's going to be interesting to see 